Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, welcome again this morning. We want to welcome you to uh, 2023. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that, that some of us never thought we would have got through last year, but you made it. Look at your neighbor and say, I made it. Come on, I made it. We want to welcome all of our campuses is watching over in Hebron and down in North Johnson and Wanata and man, all the online campus, our Westfield campus, those guys are just doing some amazing things there. I want you to grab your worship guide there. There's some verses in the Bible. We're going to look at, we're going to talk to you this, this morning, as Pastor Matt may mention, next week we're going to start our new series for 2023, Questions God Ask. Most theologians agree that Jesus asked over 300 questions, okay? He was asked 183 questions. He only answered four questions, <laughs> Somebody said, what are they? Well, you got to go find out. And No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what that. But we're going to spend uh, at least the early part of 2023 of navigating around questions that God asks us. How do we respond to those questions? What, what is God wanting out of us in 2023? And how does he want us to move forward with our lives? You know, I, I read a study that that majority of people today no longer celebrate the arrival of the new year. Yeah, we still do some new year stuff. And, you know, how many stayed up past midnight last night? How many? Yeah, there's a few young people in this place. How many went to bed now, don't, don't you? Yeah. Uh, but, but the study says that a lot of people no longer celebrate the arrival of, of the new year. They, they more celebrate the survival of the old year. Anybody kind of relate to that? They, they, they celebrate the fact that, oh, wow, I made it. I didn't, I didn't believe I was going to get through it, but I did. And uh, what, what I want to talk to you this morning is about how that you and I can, can take life's interruptions and turn them into God opportunities. Because most of us in this room knows, now listen, I'm going to tell you something. Here's a prophetic word for you. Are you ready? If you do the same thing in 2023 that you did in 2022, you're going to have the same results as you did in 2022. See, a lot of people want to change, but they don't want to change their response. They don't want to change their reaction to some things and, and be proactive. So, so most of us in this room understand the fact that if I want something different in 2023, then I've got to do something different than I did in 2022. What I love about this church and what I love about the, the vision of this church, that this church is all about change. We, we, we have made a commitment for 74 years now, and the last 22 years that I've been leading this church, We've made a commitment that we'll do whatever it takes to, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to our culture. And, and so many times that, that means, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll give money if that's what it takes. We'll, we'll build buildings if that's what it takes. We'll, we'll add new ministries if that's what it takes in order that we can penetrate this culture with the message of Jesus Christ. 
I don't know about you, but I, I made up my mind. I don't want to stumble into 2023. I, I want to go into 2023 with, with, with a direction or with a focus or with a, with a plan or a goal in my mind that, that I truly believe that God wants to do something. Write this in your notes. God opportunities often looks like interruptions. Come on, can you say amen to that? God opportunities often look like interruptions. Now listen, here's what I know, and and most of you know this. I cannot control what life gives me and hands me sometimes. True? I, I cannot control whether or not I'm going to have good interruptions or bad interruptions. Listen, most of us understand the fact that there, there are some things that, tar- that start out being a bad interruption that ends up being a good interruption in our life. True? You ever, you ever had those? They start bad, but in the midst of it, Randy, when you get toward the end, you think, wait a minute, this is, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I felt that 22 years ago when I got, I got fired from one church and it led me all the way to here that now I can spend and invest my life in a community with, with people like you that I just love. So it started bad, but, but it ended up good. And, and I've had things in my life that started good and ended up bad. When, when I moved to the Gulf Coast to pastor that church on the Gulf Coast of Alabama, they hardly even get a frost down there. Yeah, you got some tornadoes and hurricanes to deal with periodically, but uh, I, I moved down. I think, man, this is awesome. Man, it's, it's warm weather. I, I can ride my motorcycle. I can play golf. I'm outside. I'm, you know, it started out good, but it ended up being so, so bad. It ended up when I'm leaving that town, I'm boohooing like a baby. I'm just weeping, driving that old U-Haul truck. And my, my wife looks at me, she said, just get over it. We'll be okay. Come on. Some of, some of us have been there this morning, haven't we? But listen, the, the common thread that runs through everybody in this room and everybody watching online is that we understand that, that life can give us some interruptions. Life can happen to us sometime is full of interruption. My life, your life, there, there, there's, there's no exceptions in this room. And all you have to do is look to the Bible and look at the, the men and women that God used and God many, many times would interrupt them and in the midst of that interruption, they begin to notice this is a God opportunity. Think about Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah is a just man. He's just loving God. He's doing godly things. And then God speaks to Noah and said, Noah, by the way, I want you to build a boat. It's never rained, okay? There's never been nothing that's fell from the sky. And before the flood, all the rain, the water just come up out of the ground. It just moisturized like heavy dew every morning. Everything got water. God speaks to Noah. Noah, build me a big old boat. Now listen, can you imagine the conversations he had with his neighbors? <laughs> Noah, what are you doing? This huge, humongous thing out here in your yard. Don't worry. God's told me to do that. Now, it looked like a tremendous interruption in his life, but it ended up being an opportunity that he and his entire family get saved from the flood. Can I get a witness on that? So, so when you think about and look to the Bible, there's all kind of life interruption. And I guarantee you, if we had time to, to pass the mic around, we could stop and we could take an inventory of our own life, and we would discover that life has handed us 
interruptions. We've made our plans. We, we got all the things that we want to do. And then all of a sudden, life interrupts us. And here's the thing that we want to talk about this morning is that as we head into 2023, I, I want to I bring your focus to the point that as we see and we experience life interruption, that they become God opportunities. I'm going to walk into 2023 with a realistic mindset that everything will not go according to Phil Willingham's plans. Come on, somebody help me. And let me tell you, they're not going to go according to your plans either. Life is going to give you interruptions. And, and there's going to be some interruption. I submit to you, like last year, there will be some interruptions that can come in your life in 2023 that can truly test your faith. Are you going to have strong enough faith that you can endure that interruption in your life so that you don't give up and you don't give in, but you keep holding on to God in the midst of that? When you look at the Old Testament, there's two stories I want to share with you. One is in the Old Testament. One of them is about the name of a guy by the name of Job. Most everybody's either heard about Job or you've read Job's story. Now, here's the unique thing about Job's story is that Job is a very righteous man. He loves God. He's serving God. He's got grown kids, and, and they're, they're having parties. And Job is so concerned that his kids are going to sin that the Bible says that Job is continually offering sacrifices for his kids. Now, listen, let me just stop here and let's give, leave you a little sidebar. Mom, Dad, it's never too late to stop praying for your kids. Understand that. Listen, I don't care if they're grown, their, their behavior, their attitude, I don't care. Listen, it's never too late to stop praying for your kids. It's important that they have people in their life, moms and dads who love them, who care about them, grandparents who love them and care about them, that we are willing to stand in the gap and make intercession for our kids, even when we know they may not do the right thing. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. So watch this. When you, when you go to the book of Job in the Old Testament, in a matter of 24 hours, most theologians agree, it happened within a day, that Job is going to lose everything. He's going to lose his, his donkeys. He's going to lose his sheep. He's going to lose his children. Job will lose every possession that he has except four servants and one wife. And listen, his servants are going to be out of a job. Can you imagine how they were feeling? The Bible teaches us that servant after servant would come up to Job, and they gave Job the bad news that everything Job had was now taken away. And listen, Job would begin to understand that as he planned his life, he lived his life, life can give us interruptions, and it's there that you have to stop and say, wait a minute, maybe this is an opportunity for God to show up in my life. Maybe this isn't going to be an interruption, and it's going to be a time that I'm going to be able to grow in my life. Interruptions that we recognize as God opportunities, now watch this, can lead us to worship. I want, I want to read you Job chapter 1. I want to give you a couple verses. At this, at what? At the story that he's lost everything. Kids, farm, houses, everything's gone. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in cursing God. Is that what it says? He fell to the ground moaning and groaning, woe is me. 
Come on, what does it say? He fell to the ground in what? Come on, say it. In worship. And then he said, naked I came from my mother's room, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be cursed. Didn't say cursed? May the name of the Lord be profaned. No. May the name of the Lord be praised? Are you kidding me? You lose everything? You're you're down to the, the very clothes on your back? And you have everything taken away from you. And in the midst of this, you decide to worship. Listen, let me tell you. Worship is honesty before God, even in the midst of adverse circumstances in our life. Listen, Job's life was interrupted by the loss of everything. And yet his response was to say, the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now, let let me give you a quick little sidebar. Everything in the Bible is true, okay? I believe that the Bible is an inspired word of God. But what I'm going to tell you may may stretch some of your theology. That statement, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away, it is a true statement because Job said it, but it's not a statement of truth. Let me say it again. It's a true statement, but it's not a statement of truth. How do I know that? You know that because we know Job's whole story. Was it God that took everything away from Job? No. When you read the story, the the devil presents himself before God, and he says, God says, where have you been going? Satan said, I'm going to and fro the earth. And God said, look, and he said, have you considered my servant? Now, what's it? God begins to brag on his servant, Job. And Job and says, look at my servant. He's upright. He's a righteous man. And Satan says, well, he's that way because you protected him. If you will pull back that veil, if you'll pull back that protection, and you let him lose everything, he'll curse you and die. And you know what God said? God said, go at it. Now, what's this? Job didn't understand that at that moment. We're going to know that because the rest of the 42 books of the Bible, Job is honest with us of the 42 books of the book of Job, the 42 chapter. The next 42 books, Job wrestles with God, and he's honest with God with what he's experiencing and feeling in his life. Naked I come, naked I go, but the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. It is a true statement, but it's not a statement of truth. Now, some theologians say that Job recognized and he believed that God had pulled back the veil of protection and God was allowing Job to experience it. And even though he knew that God was allowing this trouble to come to him, he still worshiped and praised God. You know what? Job was one of God's favorites. Now listen, what would, what would your troubles look like? What would your interruptions look like if in the midst of your interruption, in the midst of your difficulties, you stopped and you said, God, I thank you that I'm one of your favorites. I thank you that you trust me enough that you're allowing me to experience this. God didn't send it. Now listen, are you with me? Read the story for you. God didn't send it, but he did pull back his veil and he allowed Job to experience everything that he experienced. 
And for the next 41 chapters, I said 42, I meant for the next 41 chapters, Job gives us the real life struggle with his circumstances. But in the end, in the end of the story, instead of getting bitter, instead of getting hard, instead of walking away from God, in the end, he turns better and not bitter. Why did that happen? Was it because Job was this miraculous spiritual person? No, listen, Job reveals to us why he was able to take life's interruption and see them as God opportunity simply because, not because of what he said, not because of what he did, listen, because, listen, he questioned God all through the 41 books of Job, he, the 41 chapter, he questioned God. But listen, Job was able to be a better person and not a bitter person because he learned how to allow God to speak to him through his pain and through his circumstances. You see, a lot of us go deaf when we're hurting. A lot of us, when we're in pain and we're struggling, we walk away from the church. We put our Bibles down. We refuse to pray. I am not going. I am tired. I tried my Job was a man that in the midst of his struggle, he still kept an ear tuned towards God. And here's what he said. I'm going to jump to, to the end of Job, Job chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel? You ask. Now, this is God asking a question. Here's one of God's questions. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things that I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. So, again, some theologians believe that goes back to Job chapter 1 when Job says, God, you give, you take away. No, he didn't take away. He gave, but listen, he allowed. And Job said, listen, surely I spoke of things I didn't understand. Two things too wonderful. Sunshine's laying in my lap the other night, and she's laying in my lap. At 8 o'clock every night, she grabs her blanket, and she wants me to move to the couch, and she stretches out. She is so spoiled. And she's, she's laying in my lap, and she turns, and she looks at me, and she said, I your favorite. Well, sure she's my favorite at that moment, right? Come on. Every parent tells your child they're your favorite when nobody else is around, when they're the only child. And listen, Job understood. Listen, he said, I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful to me. Job was blown away from the fact that God had been bragging on him. Can I tell you in 2023... Because of your faith and your trust and your confidence in God, God's going to brag on you. But listen, when God brags on you because of what you're doing and how you're standing and how you're being strong, do not be surprised when life gives you some interruptions. And Job goes on to say, down in verse 4, he said, you said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. After this, and watch this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. So he died old and full of years. Isn't that amazing? Everything he lost, God restored back to him. 
He lives 140 years. He lives four gen- He lives to see four generations. How many would love to see four generations? You understand it's your kids, it's your grandkids, it's your grandkids' kids. Okay, that's four generations. And Job, the Bible says that he lived 140 years, and so he died old and full of years. Now listen, most theologians agree in the Old Testament that when Job died, he wasn't this old 140-year-old. He's still, he's old, but he's full of years. In other words, his life is still very vibrant. He just lays down, closes his eyes, and he goes to be with God. And what's this? There's no formula of how you and I can listen to God as life gives us interruptions except to know. Now, what's this? Listen, that God always has something to say during those interruptions. Let, let me say that again. God is always speaking during our interruptions. Some of you need to prepare yourself this year in 2023 to listen to God. Life is going to interrupt you. Your plans are going to be thwarted. Your ideas and your thoughts, it's not going to work out. What are you going to do? You're going to get bitter or will you get better? And if you listen, you'll be able to hear him and find that your circumstances, I don't care how tough they are, they turn into God opportunities for him to show himself strong. Now, Job's a great story in the Old Testament. Now, let me jump forward to the New Testament. Let's go to John chapter 11 real quickly. And Jesus, now listen, here's a unique thing about Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Jesus' relationships other than we know because he was the son of God. He was a master at relationships. We know James, Peter, James, and John were always close to Jesus because they seemed to be the guys that Jesus would take with him when, when he would go to places that the other disciples would not be invited but in John chapter 11 and, and chapters before that, we learn a unique thing about Jesus' friend by the name of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, the unique story in John chapter 11 is the fact that undoubtedly Jesus had spent time with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Most theologians say that when he was in Judea, he would stay at their house. They were very wealthy people. They, 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 they had access to, to, to finances so they could take care of Jesus and feed all of his hungry disciples. And, and Jesus and Lazarus, and they, they built this real close relationship. And the unique thing about in John chapter 11, it, it simply says to us that, that Jesus gets word that Lazarus, his friend Lazarus, is sick. And we know that Lazarus has got something going on in his life that he's literally dying. So Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, they send word to Jesus. And the, the, the amazing thing about how Jesus responds, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. It is for God's glory. Say that with me. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. Now, we, we bypass those words sometimes. They're very important. I'm going to come back to them a little bit later. But down in verse 15, it says, John 11, 15, that Lazarus is dead, and Jesus says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, watch this. 
In both of these verses, it seems like there's an important principle, and the principle is this. I want you to write this down. Things are not always what they seem. No, listen, things are not all. Listen, if you and I are walking by faith and trusting God and believing in the heart of God, regardless of what life's interruptions are coming to us, things are not always what they seem. Listen, God, in, 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 this, in these verses that we're looking at in John chapter 11 and in Job's life, listen, God was doing something, but at the moment, they couldn't see it. God was working, but at that moment, they didn't understand his plan. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt like that somehow or another, in spite of what's happening, you have a peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't understand why you are handling this so well, but deep down inside, you truly believe, Romans 8 and 28, that God is working all things for the good of those who love you. Are you with me? It is, it is a faith act that we walk. And listen, no matter how bad things appear, listen, you and I can have confidence that God is doing something. We don't always see what he's doing. Have you ever noticed when we see conflict, maybe that's God's opportunity to see a training ground of character in your life. Anybody in this room go looking for conflict? Most of us avoid conflict. There's some people that you didn't even want to see during Christmas because you said, I'm just going to avoid conflict. I don't like conflict. I hate conflict. Every time I get around, I may have conflict. Listen, we see conflict. You know what God, God sees a training ground to develop character in us. There's no way that I'm going to truly understand God's total forgiveness in my life if I don't have people in my life that seem totally unforgivable. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. I won't understand God's total forgiveness in my life, Randy, until God allows people to come in my life that hurt me so bad, that do me so wrong, and yet in the midst of that, God sees a training ground to develop the character in my life that he says, feel, it's not by what you see, it's not by what you feel. My word says, forgive those. Well, let me move to another point. Have you ever noticed that when we often see pain in our lives, that God often is trying to wean us away from all that which is temporary. You see, most of the pain that we experience in our life has to do with temporarily, temp temporary things. The pain that we suffer is temporary. When, when something gets taken from us, when something gets broke, when, when, when somebody walks away, when, when a relationship is dissolved, when, when, when somebody passes away, all of that pain that we experience, and listen, it, it, it's, it's nothing wrong with, with embracing the pain that you're feeling, but really, that's God trying to wean our hearts away from everything we see in this earth. It's temporary, folks. There's nothing that's going to last forever. You might live to be 140 years old, but listen, I want to tell you, at some point, Job died. Methuselah lived 969 years, but he died. 
Everything is temporary. And so many times the pain that we experience when we lose something, we lose a job, we lose a friendship, we lose money, we lose health, we lose whatever. Every one of those are just opportunities for God to wean our hearts away from don't hold on to things that are just temporary. What we call a burden sometimes is God's chance to develop empathy in us. Where we see struggle in our lives sometimes, it's where God brings us in his laboratory to build our faith. Where we see hardship, that hardship often becomes a pulpit in which God can present and show his grace in our lives. You ever, you ever, you ever been around people? that they were going through such hard and difficult times, and yet they stood there as, as, as a strong man and woman of God, and they walked with their, with their head up. Their, their heart might have been breaking, but they, and you could, you could almost just physically see the grace of God leading that person through that difficult moment. And, and what Job understood and what disciples were going to understand that we have to remember that things are not always what they seem. Here's the second thing. Write this thing. God's delays are meant to develop us and not discourage us. God's delays are meant to develop us and not discourage us. Anybody in this room, do you really like delays? <laughs> do you like the wait? Listen, the Bible teaches us that after Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick, that he waits or he delays for two days. Two days before he starts making his way to Judea. What kind of friend is that? I call, I, I, I call you this afternoon, Paul, and I say, hey, Paul, man, I'm out on my bike. It's the first, uh, you know, day of the year, and I got to ride my bike, but my bike's in trouble, and I need some help, man. And what, what kind of friend would you be? Yeah, man, I'll check you on Tuesday. <laughs> you think that's a very good friendship? Would you get ticked? Come on, don't look at me like you're so fr Oh, I just love Paul. No, I would block his number. <laughs> He'll never call me again at 5.30 in the morning just to share what great victory he had last night at Westville. I'll block him right now. No. There's nothing reasonable that sounds like that we should be happy that somebody that you call a friend, that they would delay their coming when you are in need. What's God trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us that his delay does not, is not given to us or put in our lives to discourage us. They're there to develop us. Nobody likes to wait. Listen, when you go in the dentist's office and, and, and you walk in and you sign in, or the doctor's office, you sign in, and they look at you, yeah, thank you, have a seat, and you're there for the next hour and a half. Does it tick anybody off? You know, I walk in sometime and I say, you know, I sign in and I, you know, I want to show my driver's license. I got a pilot's license. I'm a member of Heartland Christian Center. Here's my minister's credential. None of that matters. They don't give a rip who I am. They ask for one thing. We need to see your insurance card. Oh, you have a deductible. You need to pay this first. 
Now go sit down. I did all the right stuff, and they still put me in the corner to do what? To wait. None of us like waiting. But it's in the waiting times that there God is developing us. It's waiting times that even though they're difficult times, they're there not to discourage us, but, but to lift us up and develop our faith. Some of you, some of you have been hearing about the Sunshine Center for two years. I've been, I've been carrying this in my heart for seven years. And if you go back longer, Rhonda and I have been carrying it for 42 years. That we've had this dream, we've had this desire, we've had this passion, that we want to do something above average, above normal, to be able to reach the families with disabilities. And here we are now finally doing it. But it's still slower than what I want to see. But you know what I'm seeing? God's developing my faith. We're believing for $15 million. And that's getting so small to me every day now. Because my faith, I'm thinking, okay, God, I need a $50 million vision. I need a $100 million vision. Somebody said, that's ridiculous. I know. But it's what happens when, you're, when your faith gets developed. Listen, the hardest part of Job's troubles had to be that he had to wait nine long months before finally God would show up. And turn his life around. Some of us can't go nine minutes, nine days, nine weeks, nine months. I, I, pull, I try to pull all the prayer requests out every week. And sometimes it's two weeks. And I, I, I pull one out at the end of the year. And somebody had wrote down. I usually look at the date if they dated it. And they had a prayer request. And, and then, you know, uh, there was another request in there. Another, so I'm going through and I'm unfolding. And I notice this is the same name here. It's the same name here. And I read this. This is a prayer request. This is what I'm asking. This is what I believe in. And then it, it's only two weeks later. Two weeks later they said, forget about it. Okay, was it answered or was it not? I could just tell by those big words, forget about it. It was like, don't bother. That's only been two weeks. You're going to have to wait some this year. I know nobody, nobody said amen. I, you're not standing up clapping me down on this one. I understand, I understand. But God's delay doesn't mean denial in your life. It's when we understand the fact that, that God opens up these opportunities. Write this down. The best time to do what is right is always in the present. Now, what's this? Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to show you. He tells his disciples two days later, okay, they get word, he's sick. Two days later, Jesus said, let's go see Lazarus. Now, the disciples, when you read the story, they think it's a bad idea because the last time they was in Judea, the people wanted to kill Jesus. Everybody in Judea didn't like Jesus. He had Martha. He had Lazarus. He had Mary. They were all there. There was a lot of people in Judea that wanted to kill Jesus. So, so the disciples, when Jesus said, let's go, and they said, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you're, you're out of your head. And I, I love Jesus' response in, in verse 9. which is, He's going to show us a very important point. He said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble. For he sees by his, this world's light. 
It is when he walks by the night that he stumbles, for he, he has no light. If, you're, if you journey and walk in the light, you will do better than in the dark. Now, what's this? Profound statement Jesus makes, and yet very simple. The simple statement out of this is Jesus says, hey, guys, you can see better where you're going when it's light than you can in the dark, okay? That's the statement. You can go farther. You can see farther. You can do more when you are operating in the light rather than the dark. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples that he only, now what's it, he only has so much daylight left. And the time that he has left, he wants to make sure that he's doing what the Father has instructed him to do. Because if we walk in the light, then we're being obedient to what the Father said. John would later talk about this. He said, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ purifies you from all your sin. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. So what's this? Jesus is telling his disciples, guys, I only have so much time now because it's just a matter of days that he's going to go and they're going to arrest him and they're going to beat him and they're going to crucify him. And Jesus says, guys, i got to be about the Father's business. I don't know how much daylight is left. What's that? Here's, here's, here's the story. I used to count up a lot. I counted up. Counting up means... Rhonda and I have been married 48 years. I've been in the ministry 50 years. I pastored this church 22 years. That's counting up. That's taking a mark and you saying, I've been doing this this long. As I've gotten older, I don't count up as much as I count down. Now, what does counting down mean? It simply means because I've been doing what I do for 50 years, and because of the age of I am, the average age now of retirement is 80. So if I count down, it means I've got about 12 or 13 years left to go, and they're going to put me out the pasture. Now, I know some of you retired a little earlier, but we'll let you back in the working thing if you'll just check with us. We'll get you back in. But Counting down means, now listen, if I, if I count, I only have about four or 500 sermons. I preach thousands of sermons. But statistically it says, I've got about four or 500 more sermons left in me. Statistically it says, Rhonda and I have been married 48 years, that's counting up. But when we count down, I realize we've got more time behind us than we have in front of us. She said today, oh, don't you want another 48 years? No, I'll be 114 years old. And unless I'm like Job, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be a good 114-year-old person. No. Counting down, what does it do? Counting down reminds us we don't have much time. Let me give you young moms a great illustration to do. The average parent is going to invest 18 years in their child. That's 939 weeks that you have with your child until they turn 18. Now, somebody in the first service said, well, I think my child needs to leave by 14. So you have uh, 730, I think it is, something like that. But, but here's the challenge. Take you a jar, uh, uh, a quart jar, 
and put 969 pennies. Now, if you start and your child's already three or five or seven, you got to take out every week how many weeks have already gone by. But you leave that jar. If you start with that jar and then every week you take a penny out and you look at that jar, you say, that's how much time I really have left investing in my child. Before they go to college or they marry and they get away, whatever it is. Now, listen, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to... To, to, to be a downer on New Year's Day. But if we would count down, counting down helps us to understand our limitations. And Jesus is teaching his disciples right here, and he's teaching us that our time is limited. Listen, even in our earliest years, and the sooner we learn to count down, the sooner we'll have the wisdom that Moses had. And he said in Psalms 90 and 12, he said, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Listen, a brand new year, a brand new day, 2023, when are you going to start doing what God asked you to do? When are you going to stop being half of the way in and half of the way out with your Christian walk? How much time do you think you have upon this earth? There comes a moment in the time, not morbid, not scared, not fear. There comes a time in our life that we have to stop and realize, wait a minute, my days are numbered. I just preached the funeral yesterday. Life is short, death is sure, sin is a cause, Christ is a cure. I don't care what you look at, whose life you say, life is short. And most of us sitting in this room, listen, if you're not careful, you forget about it. You've got more years behind you than you do have before you. Why don't we make every day count? And listen, what, what I have to understand, what Jesus is teaching us, being obedient to the Father's will today is important. The problem that many of us have is that we read the command that God gives us and we find it difficult or we find it risky or we find it unpopular. So what do we do? We just resist it. Jesus said, today's the day to do what God, uh, yeah, would have been better if I went two days ago. Yeah, but God is doing something, okay? He's working. We know the miracle is going to happen. Some of us need to understand today, listen, doing what God asks us to do today is what obedience is about. Again, the Bible says, forgive those who've done wrong to you. And we say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know how deeply hurt. You, you, you don't know how they don't deserve my forgiveness. So you don't obey. And guess what happened? When you don't obey the light that you have in front of you, you end up stumbling in the dark. Is your reason why some of your relationships don't ever get fixed? You carry all the garbage from one relationship right to the other, and you stumble over the very same thing again. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. Every time I don't obey, I stumble. Every time I don't do what God asks me to do, it's like putting darkness, and now I'm going to, I cannot make a progressive move forward if I'm stumbling my way in. God's give us light. 
Now, again, if you're new and you're just starting with Christ and you don't know everything in God's word, then listen, you're only going to be held accountable for the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light that you have today. But then be committed to say, God, every time you give me new light, I'm going to walk into it. Well, lastly, don't waste a lot of time of assuming the worst in 2023. Again, as we continue the story, we, we see that the, the disciples, they're very eager to avoid going to Judea. They know what's ahead of them. When Jesus tells them that Lazarus is asleep, they say, hey, dude, if he's sleeping, that he's, that he's got to be doing well. And Jesus said, dudes, you don't understand. He's not asleep. The guy has died. And every one of those disciples knows Jesus well enough. Jesus is intent of going to Judea. So Thomas speaks up, and I love what Thomas says in verse 16. Then Thomas, called Demas, said to the rest of the disciples, here it is, okay, guys, let's also go that we may die with him. Now, most people read that and they think that Thomas is saying, hey, Lazarus is dead. Man, we love the dude. He was a great bro. Let's all go die with him. He's not saying go die with Lazarus. He's assuming that Jesus is going to go to Judea and they're going to kill him. And Thomas is saying, God's listen, he's going and he's walking into his death. Why don't we just go and die with him? We, we know the story. Peter made all kind of boasts before Jesus, didn't he? Jesus, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll die for you. Listen, now Thomas is saying the very same thing. Jesus, I'm just going to go die with you, bro. We know, we know in the end he doesn't. But what I want, what I want to point out to you is, is Thomas's negative attitude. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't even factor in the possibility of a miracle. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't factor in that here's an opportunity that I can, I can bring some comfort to my friends. He just assumes the worst. Jesus is going to die. We might as well die. Listen, there's a lot of us that if we're not careful, when life interrupts us, we always assume the worst. Amen, Pastor Phil. I got a book in my office. I, used to, I try to read it once a year. It's called Eat the Frog First. It means whatever you have to do every day, that's the worst thing that you have to do, then you eat the frog first. You tackle that impossible, hated situation, and you tackle it first, and then, from then out, everything else is easier that day. Well, can I tell you, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of time I want to avoid the frog. <laughs> I want to I kill the frog. <laughs> Hello? But here's what I've discovered. I'm going to wrap this up. Come, Pastor Lindsay. Here's what I've discovered. That when life interrupts me, if, I go, if I'm going to see God opportunities in the midst of those life interruptions, no matter what I'm experiencing, my attitude is everything. You understand? Listen, attitude, the choice that we make, is always about attitude. Attitude says, am I going to forgive or I'm going to live in bitterness? Attitude says, am I going to give up 
or will I choose to go on? Attitude says, am I going to be filled with hatred over this situation or will I choose to live with hope? Attitude. I don't care what else you factor in your life. We know that the attitude is what determines the altitude of how far and how high we're going to go up. And then here's the most important part. I get to choose my attitude. Understand that. You get to choose your attitude. Our attitude is my my attitude is my responsibility. It's not circumstances. Circumstances is what not leads to depression today. You know what leads to depression is people's attitude in the midst of those circumstances. And I'm not belittling depression, but we have, a, we have an entire culture today that, that's, that's been led away into a darkness and dark moments and dark times where they get totally in the pit simply because they let their attitude take them there. It's how we react to those circumstances that's going to determine will we, will we be a victim or will we triumph in victory? The weather should never determine your attitude. Right now, northwest Indiana, first day of January, still almost 40 degrees. We love it. Some people loved it so much they didn't come to church today. But come February when we got 12 inches of snow and the wind's blowing, the attitude. Come on, am I telling you the truth? We have to choose that. I was sitting down journaling and I asked myself this question. When I look back over 2022, is, is, there, is there any situations, is there any times that I wish I had worried more. <laughs> and listen, the answer is a big no. Are there things I look back at now that I wasted anxiety and, and, and I wasted uh, stressful feelings over and I look back over them? Do I wish I hadn't done that? Absolutely 100%. As we stand at the beginning of this brand new year, we have to determine we're going to look back a year from now and we're going to say, you know what? Man, I had some life interruptions. I went into 2023 and I had my plans and I had my goals and I had all the things I was going to do. But life interrupted me. But in the midst of those interruptions, I saw God opportunities in my life. Out of all life's interruptions, listen, there's three things that God is always trying to do, and I put them in your notes at the very end. God is always working. Now, there may be 33 things that he's doing, but listen, God is always working in my life and your life to bring his glory, his redemptive purpose, and to develop us to be our best. I, I'm telling you, you can trust the heart of God in Go back to Job. Go back to Lazarus. It was all about God's glory, his redemptive purpose, and our best. 
Mary and Martha were totally blown away by Jesus not showing up when he first got word. And as soon as Jesus comes on the scene, they both point their little bony fingers and say, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. You know what Jesus did? He slapped them. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. John eleven thirty five. We learned it as Sunday school. Some of us. Jesus wept. He was moved. Martha and Mary did not understand what God was doing, but Jesus understood that what was happening was about to be for God's glory, His redemptive purpose, and it was certainly going to be for their best. And can I tell you, as you walk into 2023, be certain of those same things in your life. When we look at 2023, there's a, bitter, a biblical pattern of things that occurred in the 23rd year. Now, this is the 23rd year of the 21st century. And the Bible passages that mention the 23rd, either the 23rd chapter or the 23rd uh, book, always points to two things. It points to returning to God and reformation. Returning to God and reformation. And there's, there, there's many common threads right now in the prophetic world that, that, that are setting the pathways towards focusing on returning to God. We, we see the lawlessness that's happening in our culture today. We, we see the hardness that's happening in people's lives. And listen, one of the things that you and I have to make sure that we do is fight against bitterness in our hearts. We have to. 2023, a time to return to God and a time to expect reformation. And as you study the Old Testament, you look at some of that, even the New Testament, it's, it's to avert judgment, to attract the presence of God, and to release His power on the earth. To avert judgment, to attract the presence of God, and to release His power on the earth upon the earth. And as we walk into 2023, we set ourselves on the fact that we are going to constantly be returning to God. That returning involves repentance. And again, it's talking about going back to the light. What is the light that you had? Are there things that you know that you should be doing that you're not doing? Then you return back to God and you say, God, I want to repent of that. I want to reform my life. I want to reform my behavior. I want to see your powerful reformation happen in my life. I want 2023 to be the best year of my life. And when we do that, we, we, we avert his judgment. We, we simply open ourselves up to attract the presence of God. And we're releasing his power upon the earth. As you notice on our, on our prayer boxes this year, they have Psalms 23. Psalms 23, I want to challenge you to read this psalm. Rhonda and I have already started it. I want you to read this psalm every day. It only takes a few minutes. I put it on the screen. I want, I, want, I want to read it this morning. Here it is. Are you ready? I want you to read it with me. Will you read this with me? The Lord is, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.